Whoa, Biden wins. Well, as long as the insane efforts by the Republicans uh, don't somehow unseat this, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I would say it's fair to say he's he, he won. He won it. He's a winner. He's a winner. He's not a loser. Donald Trump loser. Uh, this has been an extremely, this has been a bizarre year, and it's been, it feels like it's functionally been like five years. The amount of stuff that's happened. This year has been insane in so many from so many dimensions. I was so depressed, guys. I was on my manic downswing. And I just wanted to get on in the beginning of the podcast and tell you that if, you know, I mean, this podcast, let me just preface what I'm about to say with this. Tony Sikowski is a buddy of mine from Chicago. We were, you know, we were like work friends, essentially. We saw, I saw him all, all over the place at open mics and comedy shows and he's a working comic the dude's gone and done improv on boats which we talk about he does all kinds of comedy all over the place living in new york now i can't believe i didn't see him when i was out there but i he's a good dude and he's fun to talk to and it's and i missed we talked a lot about comedy and i just wanted to say this because comedy has changed this year and it's gonna become something different through and after the pandemic than it was before. And we're all still trying to figure out what that is and what it'll be and what it looks like. But it's extremely challenging, I think, because it's not what it was. And we can't all do it. And I can't do it. I've done it outside. I've done some Zoom shows. But I can't do it in the way that I was doing it, in the way that I've grown used to doing it in my life. And that's challenging. I mean, whatever. I can try to do some on TikTok, which I've been doing. Uh, I can try to do some on... Instagram, on whatever, Facebook Live, but it just isn't the same. And I, I miss it. I miss doing it. It isn't the same. It's like just a rant. It's a lot like this. And this year has changed all of that stuff. And one of the things that's changed and the reason I guess I wanted to talk about this is just if you feel that your things are unmoored for you, you feel screwed up, you feel depressed, you feel like your life is all in flux, you're not alone. Everybody's doing that. And it and it both is and is also an illusion at the same time. Over this past weekend, I was dealing with, some, I think, some manic downswing bipolar stuff. And I got uh, I got really depressed and had to basically deal with that internally. Just had to deal with all of this depression that had been coming out. And for completely good reasons. Like Biden, Trump, all of this crap, I was finally, I kind of had had enough of it. And... You know, if you listen to Unkfew, my other podcast, which I'm sure you don't, <laughs> I think it's mostly my uncle and his buddies who listen to that podcast. But if you listen to it, I've talked about it on there before, also. Like, I'm, it sucks. I'm, I'm, I feel like I want to, I'm done living in this world, kind of. And that's a scary thought because you think, what are my options? I either check out physically, meaning I, I'm dead, or I check out emotionally, meaning I just, who knows what that equals. You know what I mean? You can find yourself living in a van in the Adirondacks. <laughs> I have no idea. What does it mean? You can't even do that this year. How would you make a living? What would you do? Everything is just fucked. So I just wanted to say, look, if you're feeling depressed like I was over the weekend, if the bipolar downswing happens to you, it's kind of an illusion. It's not real. Those aren't your real thoughts. They're not your real emotions. It's just a storm, and you just got to weather the storm. This year, 2020, is about survival. And if you can just survive and survive on through to next summer, you're doing great. That's it. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. When you get to next summer, things are going to look better. They're going to be better. 
We're going to have a vaccine. People are going to take it. We're going to be outside a lot. The virus is going to lose a foothold. That, I think, is going to happen. So just stay strong, man. Things will return to normal. Things. I'm, I'm talking to myself as much as I am to you. Anyway, one of the guests, uh, one of the guests, the guest, the only guest I have on this episode is Tony Sikowski. I really love this dude, and we have a good time chatting about all kinds of stuff and catching up, hearing about how I just saw him on Instagram, and I was like, holy shit, Tony. I haven't seen Tony in a long time. And we connected and had this call, uh, which I will play for you currently. Take it easy, everybody. If you're thinking about how, I should close this out with saying, if you're thinking about how to take a more control of yourself and your life interpersonally, please check out the Power Bible co-written by William Petit and myself, uh, available on Amazon. The audiobook just released recently, and it's uh, honestly, it's a great book. It's getting great reviews. And I would just encourage you to take a look and think about picking one up. It would really support me during this. Um, and hopefully it'll help you out, actually. A lot of people who have read it have found it very helpful and insightful. And if you know me from the world of comedy, it turns out that I'm actually an intelligent person, maybe. <laughs> a PhD said it was a lot better than other books he's read uh, on the same subject, which is great. So anyway, take it easy, everybody. And without further ado, here is Tony Sikowski. How are you? How are you doing, dude? It's been a while. It's funny. I um, yeah. I guess I should say very quickly how this whole thing came together because, you know, I um, the last time it's funny, Tony, because the last time you and I had a conversation was probably at Shakers. <laughs> oh wow! In Chicago, maybe. Yeah. That's and, years ago, man. Yeah, it was yeah. a while ago, and um. I remember you were about to leave to do improv on a boat. Uh, yes. And obviously this was pre-COVID. And mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know. I think I, I – and then we were – obviously we were just Facebook friends after that for a long time. But I, at some point I must have followed you on Instagram, and I was suddenly like, holy I, – I saw a shot from a show in New York – and you were in the show, and I was like, holy shit, Tony Sikowski. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, there he is. It's been, it's been a while. And, uh, and then followed you, I guess, on Instagram. But that's just crazy, man. I just thought this would be a fun time to kind of catch up and, and talk for a little bit and hear kind of how you're doing. And then I was following you. I was like, dude, Tony's doing shows all over uh, this past summer. Yeah, it's, it's a strange time, man. But, yeah, I've been keeping busy. I've been fortunate. How have you been? Uh, I'm all right. I'm. Um, it's been a weird year. I had just moved to. I've kind of been back and forth from New York a couple of times, and had just moved back to New York when COVID hit. And Ooh. yeah, yeah, it was super weird. I was doing a lot more. I was getting a lot more gigs, getting a lot more stage time, doing a lot of work with Stand Up New York. Um, starting to do some mm-hmm. work with the New York Comedy Club, um, you know, in the East Village. And then it was yeah. like uh, getting a lot of podcast stuff, 
uh, with some some cool podcasts around town, and then and then it just like everything just shut down so hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when things first shut down, it was just so intense. It was almost overnight. It happened really quickly. I was just telling my dad. It's funny. I'm back in Michigan right now um, mm-hmm. with my parents and spending some time with them. And it's weird because I was talking to my dad and I was like, it, it in probably a ten, almost a ten day period of time, everything in New York shut down really fast. Um, from yeah. literally within easily within a two week period of time, but I would say within seven to ten days, it was like. Everything was more or less normal, and people were kind of joking around about COVID. And then it was like everything was shut down. Yeah, well, I was hitting Mike's battle. Also, this is going to sound random. Are Is this the podcast, or are we going to launch into it in a bit? No, this is a podcast. <laughs> nice. I'm into it. You know what? I've, 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 I was having a moment where I like I, everyone's podcast is so unique to who they are. It's like you got the people who do like an intro, then you got the – I call it the – the P Holmes, because that's the first person I heard who's just like, "Hey, what's?" Up? And you hear the person walking into the room. Oh yeah. So, uh, but yeah, dude, I would say it was like seven days, and even of those seven days, no one took it seriously until the seventh day. Oh yeah. When the yep. city was shutting down, because I was doing open mics and we we were doing bits about it. Yeah. Right, because I I remember I was hosting an open mic. I okay, maybe it was like the Friday before. I feel like what was it? Friday, March 14th. Yeah, that's whatever about that right. Friday was. That's when everything officially like locked down. Or like that's the day where everyone's like, oh, this is the last day of working. This is going to be crazy. Because I was hosting a mic at QED in Astoria, Queens. Oh, yeah. The Friday before. And I remember there were comics going up and they didn't want to like shake hands with people, which at the time was insane. And com- you just shook everyone's hand. Yeah, everybody shook everyone's like, hand. I- I think I shook more hands than I'd get like minutes on stage per night. It was insane. Yeah. Um, it, but then like, I remember I was hosting and I was like, guys, you can like shake hands. We're all using the same microphone. Yeah, exactly. And there was this moment in the room where like somehow none of us realized like we were all just putting our mouths on the same thing, like every night of the week for like our entire time. Yeah. And no, it's funny. I, it's, just, yeah. It's funny in retrospect to think about that because something similar happened. I remember I was in, I was, I was hanging out a lot at stand up New York and everybody mm-hmm. was joking around on stage about how they were like, Oh, coronavirus, Ooh, handling the microphone. And, um, I was marked a Norman depression. Apparently. Anyway, he, Pretty it was good. like, everybody was just constantly talking about that. And, and it's weird to look back now and think, Oh, that was, it doesn't matter, like, it, like people have, de- it's more or less determined that it's like, oh, the surface area stuff kind of, kind of doesn't matter. It's mostly just the aerosol coughing and, and breathing in the same space. And now you think like, dude, a comedy club sounds like the best place for the fucking virus to spread. <laughs> oh, well, um, everything that makes a comedy club good is bad for coronavirus. Oh yeah, everything right? that you makes a comedy club good. Spaces, yeah, dark, you want it dirty. You want a little like uh, personality to it. It's all bad for Corona. Yeah, well, it's good for the virus. It's terrible for well, yeah, our health and exactly. safety. <laughs> That's true. Corona's getting booked a lot these days, dude. So. Corona is in so many. Dude, it is. It's 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 everywhere. It's it's it's. Yeah. I, I got to tell you right now. I I don't know who its agent is. I don't know if it's getting booked from. I guess the CDC. That's the other alphabet agency yeah. that we've never we got. 
<laughs> we got <laughs> they're competing with what you uh you oh i forget all the names of the wme and, uh, you know what i mean yeah <laughs> william morris endeavor we got united Ta- uta got- and then cdc <laughs> It's crazy. I mean, because coronavirus, it even got like... It's I want Dr. Fauci to book me. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want Fauci to book me, man. He's my guy. <laughs> Dude, Fauci... Well, he was hot for a second. I haven't... I also stopped watching the news because I became very cynical in the last few months. Yeah, good, Tony. Um, you're such a positive... all over the place. You're such a positive guy. I feel like we can't... We can't... Please don't watch the news and get jaded to our reality. I feel like we need you to be be a positive dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, well, here's my thing. I feel like what I find myself doing these days is I'll start a sentence and about halfway through, I realize I'm furious about whatever I'm talking about. <laughs> right? I'll be like, oh, yeah, today's good. But I mean, the debate's happening. Oh, my God, the fucking debate. And then I just like yeah. in a matter of like half seconds, I'm angry. It's almost like the world is conspiring to try to trigger all of our deepest angers like as fast as possible. Because I was at, so I'm in, I'm in south of Traverse City in this town called Manistee. Oh, where my parents live. Okay, my cousin got married in Traverse City. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful place. I actually oh, yeah, think, I think I may end up wanting to buy a house up there. Like uh, if I can somehow swing it, I, I, I don't think I would live there very much. But I think it just as a fallback safety option. You know what I mean? There's a direct flight from LaGuardia to Traverse City Airport. It's pretty easy to get back to. It's a lovely town. It's really wonderful. But I went into the Meijer, which is a big grocery store in Michigan, and I go into the thing, and it's like the number of people who I pass who have no mask on or are like pulling their mask off to talk to someone. And I want to be like, are you you guys like, are you clinically retarded? Like, is there a part of your brain that is like, actually you are mentally handicapped and i mean that i'm sorry to like say that word i don't mean to offend anybody but like there's a part oh, of me dude. that like i mean clinically does your brain not function in a possible like do you not get it and and you know what i hate to say like obviously like pardon me tony because i don't mean to blow up your situation with me ranting about this stuff but it's like no, i there's a part it. of me that thinks i i have a i i would be willing to put as much i'd be put my life savings on the fact that actually mentally challenged or handicapped people probably get this a lot better than normal people do nor quote unquote normal people because i just feel Mm. like they're it's so easy just put the fucking mask on it goes over your nose i literally want a t-shirt that just says it goes over your nose it also goes over your nose (laughs) like yeah sorry man i didn't i don't mean to loop you in with any of the uh words that i just used or positions i took no It just drives me insane. I'll tell you this. Yeah. I mean, it's something I had to be mindful of because, um, was it? I was just locked in a room for like a month and a half, two months, whenever everything locked down in New York. Because I've been here the whole time. Yeah. Basically. I went back to visit family a few weeks ago, but I just stayed here because at the beginning, I was concerned I'd go back to my family's farm and like give them the coronavirus. Yep. Right. But then testing came. But then, uh, like, open mics and like shows and stuff start happening in parks again. So I was like, why would I go home when I actually have like an outlet where I can do comedy and feel productive in New York? Yep. Um, but when I was locked down in that room for like month and a half, two months, I found myself, it's like every word you were told not to say like retarded 
I just started using because <laughs> there was nobody to check me. And I was like, and the world's ending. Who cares? Who so cares? So as I've like gone back out into society, it's like, I have to remember that. But also comics don't really care about that word. No, right? it's like no, they of don't. the words. It's like comics are like, don't say the N word. That's yeah. like, I feel like the rule. Um, and then, uh, after that, it's kind of like, okay, well, you better be funny if you're going to use anything else. Yep, that's exactly you know? true. Like, I, I, I um, yeah, I but, feel like that's fair. Yeah. Pretty much everything is on limits as long as you've made it funny. And if you didn't, and if you mm-hmm. used it and it went wrong, it's because you didn't make it funny enough. There you go. Yeah, and then you got to stand there and get roasted for five minutes. Yeah, just which is of... fair. It's fine. Take your, you know yeah. what I mean? Cut a switch and take your lashings. Um, yeah. What uh? What was I gonna say? Okay, so the so so you so the last time we connected was years ago, but you went on the tour to, 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 for doing improv on the boat. I'm curious what that yeah. was like. I'm curious how you how and when you got out to New York because I didn't know you were out in New York until I saw that thing, and I was like, oh shit, we're hey one of the old guy old 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 Chicago scene members is here. Yeah, so it was in 2017, so it was a while ago. Um, I booked to perform on a like short form improv and like sketch comedy on cruise ship for second city. Yeah. Um, so it was actually, so it was on the Norwegian breakaway at the time. Second city had contracts with them for like three or four ships. Um, but Norwegian had ended the contract. So I was officially on one of the last cruises that second city had done and will probably ever do. Yeah. Well now, (laughs) Um, especially now it's up for sale. Who knows what's going on there? So, um, dude, uh, performing on cruise ship, you know what? It's a great experience. Uh, and it really teaches the way I describe it is because we're performing the people that take cruise ships, yeah. right? So it's not your average, especially as people. a comedian. Yeah. It's cruise ship people. And it was all cruise ship people from Long Island, New Jersey. Oh my our, God. Uh, what? Docked out of uh, <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. Oh my God. So dude. it was. So the entire ship was just, it's like, hey, can we get a suggestion of anything at all? And they're like, we want Billy Joel or John Bon Jovi, that's it. You know? <laughs> or they throw in like a Bruce Springsteen every now and then. Okay, I put Springsteen over Bon Jovi probably. Yeah. Like those were their go-to guys. That is so funny, so, dude. <laughs> in the this amount is... of times where people just uh, um, come up and they would just start quoting, because they also, we lived on the ship with everyone. So every week over every cruise I was on it for four months. So in each cruise was seven days. So over the course of the seven days, passengers would slowly start recognizing me from the improv shows on the ship. Yeah. And then cause they're all from long Island, New Jersey. They would just almost every single week. I got good quoted at me at least once. You're oh like, what? God. you think I'm a funny guy? Huh? You think that's funny? They'd you think I'm pretty funny. You think, uh, you think this is funny. You think I'm trying to be funny here. Like these, yeah, this is like their whole life. These guys identify so hard with this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is well. They would all so the the ship. Um, the first two months it went to Bermuda. Second two months it went to Cape Canaveral, Bahamas. Wow! And it was it's cruise ship people, so they almost take the cruise not to even really like the destination's part of it, but it's mostly just to be on the cruise. So were they all on it for all four months? These guys, everybody. Um, no. So, or the cast I was with was, cause I had a cast of six people, yep. six or seven people. So we were on it the entire contract. Um, and we would do 10 to 12 shows a week. What at the end, we might've been doing a few more. 
so it's great where you're getting reps in for improv and sketch. Yeah, actually, that sounds um, amazing. Well, so it's amazing for getting reps in in front of a cruise ship crowd. Yeah. Um, which is different than any other crowd where, like, they want to hear jokes about being on a cruise. They yeah. didn't want to hear anything else. <laughs> that would get um, so I get, that would get so tiring. Probably by day three or four, oh, you're like, oh, my God, was. cruise cruise stuff again. So what's also um, tough is it was short-form improv. So what ends up happening is people don't realize this, but if you ask, like, suggestions for improv, people just give the same things over and over and over. Yep. So by two months into the cruise ship, we weren't even improvising anymore. We were just rehearsing, like reciting. You, you guys knew, done yeah. A month all the, before these are basically bits you've worked out over the last two months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were basically scripted at that point. But also, just because then you get to a point where you get so bored doing the same jokes over and over, we go up there and we would be doing jokes that were so bad just to amuse ourselves. Sometimes, yeah. Because we would play games like, um, was it like a, a God, was it like a, a, a shoe, like a walks into a bar joke. So we would get a suggestion of like a household item. And then you would have to be like, hey, uh, so-and-so walks into a bar and they say, and they make a bad pun about it, right? Yep. So, for example, I'd get like, uh, okay, our suggestion is shoe. Um, a shoe walks into a bar and he's like, hey, can I get a drink? And the bartender's like, we don't serve shoes here. You got no soul. <laughs> Boom. Bad pun. Right? Yeah. But then you would just have like hundreds of those stocked up for just random items where you're like an iPhone. Okay. Like, and it's just, you you go crazy and the crowd has no idea what's going on or the, the weird madness that's going on um, like in your brain as you're just repeating these puns. And they don't get why you're like not having the time of your life doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. This is like your, well, because I mean, you must have, so this is what I've always wondered about cruise ships is like you're, so one, you're doing all this stuff nonstop and mm-hmm. that has to super duper get on your nerves. And then like, and you get tired of it and then you move to the side where you're like the other side of tired of it. And then you're making jokes about even it. But I think like you're so insular with like the same group of people all the time and the same cast members all the time. Like you have to go crazy at some point. You do. You you become very aware of not um, of giving people like boundaries mm. for that stuff because you're with the same people. We I saw the same people every single day for four months, <laughs> and we weren't even friends before that. We yeah, were like we like knew each other. Yeah, like from but it's like if you were just put on a ship with five other random comedians. Yeah, that you would like met from like knew from the scene but didn't know well yeah and then you're like okay you're gonna interact with this human every single day for the next four months dude (laughs) where it's even like there was like um two of the performers in the cast they were a couple at the time and just from seeing how they interacted everyone in the cast knew they were gonna break up when the cruise was over oh yeah we all knew 100 percent i'm sure And you knew how it was going to go down. The way that it ended up going down was exactly how I knew it was going to happen. Whereas, like, she was very into the relationship. He didn't really care, but he was also kind of, like, a, a little more of, like, a beta male. So he was not going to break up with her. <laughs> no, no, dude. He's, he's, like, he has who, to wait for her to do it. <laughs> 
Yeah, so he has to wait for her to break up with him because he's not committed enough, and that's just what he was begging for for the whole time. Um, and then we were just performing around, and then you're doing improv scenes with them while knowing that, and then doing scenes about being Jesus in relationships Christ, with them. How, so, it's how many? Like da- w- so, how many? Let me ask you this though, Tony: How many hours a day did you actually work? On like how many were you doing improv and were you guys like pr- doing improv practices or were you like how many hours a day did you work? No. It was like one to three hours a day, and that's it. How much and money? How it. did you? How, how much it. money did you make? Did they? Did, I mean, well, sorry, I was, you don't. I don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to say that necessarily, but I'm Dude, curious. I was making twelve hundred a week. Yeah. What the? What the fuck? <laughs> that's so good. That's why people do. That's why people do cruise ships. Cruise ships pay so much money. Yeah. And they don't pay you to do good comedy. They pay you just to tolerate the circumstances of living on cruise ship. Dude, I'm that's amazing. And did you have to pay I mean you had to pay I imagine you had to pay for the shit on the cruise ship, or was that all is it like basically there was like some things you had to pay for? Stuff we had to pay for, mm. but not everything. So it's like um we we were the like food so we also were lucky because we were second city. So what was nice is most of the people that perform on cruise ships get hired by the cruise ship. So they're employees of Norwegian. What we had, which was nice, is we were hired by Second City to perform on Norwegian. So that meant anytime there was like an issue with like something with the boat, we uh-huh. could be like, uh, we don't do that. Talk to Second City. Uh, so it's kind of like call my manager. It. We got to yeah. have someone to like take, like have those conversations so we didn't have to have them. Like take the hit. So we you. were. In cruise ship world, like even I complain about living on the cruise ship. In the tier of like cruise ship culture, we were kings. We had it so good compared to all the like uh, stewards who worked on the ship from the Philippines who are working fourteen-hour days, seven days a week. Yep. And then they hear me in the dining common complaining about having to do one hour. This is of fucking comedy. bullshit. Do you know? Do like, you know how many suggestions uh, everybody says Billy Joel? This yeah. is, can we get an example if of a I musician? Have to say, yeah. If I have to say shoes have no soul one more fucking time. <laughs> hey, look, man. If the Philippines had a culture of yes anding, maybe they could be there too. <laughs> yeah. just, just so... I would love it if someone from the Philippines heard this and just turned it around. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. they are killing it right now with. Um, oh no, that's New Zealand. Never mind. I don't know geography. With, with, yeah, with uh, with coronavirus. New yeah, New, New Zealand's crushing it. Yeah. Man, yeah. Uh, Philippines is are, are killing it literally by killing drug dealers in the Philippines. So that's yeah, literally pulling them out into the street. They yeah. are not fucking around, dude. Man. They're not fucking around at all. Like it's 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 scary. Um, you know what I love about the Philippines? I don't know if you know this. So the the one of the most popular sports in the Philippines is cockfighting. Oh yeah, did you dude. know that for serious serious? I dated a Filipino woman for a little while, and uh, we yeah. were. Did you ever watch the videos of it? No, I never did, but she would talk her dad would talk about it all the time. Yeah, so I got my hands on video when I was in college because one of the guys working on my dad's farm was from the Philippines. So what they do is they would burn DVDs of the cockfights for guys who are working overseas and like on cruise ships and on farms and places like that. So they would have something to like watch. It's kind of like if you're watching old like highlights of a basketball game or something like that, they would have cockfights. Damn. So this guy lent me his DVD of, uh, and they call it the World Slasher Cup. That's the name of the cockfights, or like the finals. Damn. And what was so fascinating about it is I was watching it, and they had commentators. There's like, there's like, like a Joe, there's like a Joe on. Rogan of cockfighting. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just Joe Rogan and like whoever Dana White is of the cockfighting world. That's so funny. Right? <laughs> so, but we go to Bruce Buffer is, in the ring. Bruce. <laughs> so there was, but there was like weird guidelines. They like filled you in on while you're watching it. So they were commenting and they could say like the names of the chickens and the names of the owners of like the roosters that were fighting. But for some reason with like international law, the way it is, they weren't allowed to describe the acts happening in the ring. What? Right. So they could tell you, they could set up all the backstory, yeah. but they couldn't be like, Oh, that rooster just like, um, broke the other rooster's neck. The, the like, idea, they say the, that the, dude. The idea but, that there's so, a. This is so funny. Let me just say this real quick. The idea that there's a rooster with a backstory is unbelievable. <laughs> this well, rooster. This rooster comes from a like small town. And, it's like horse racing. Yeah, in Manila, he was raised, and yeah. he had. <laughs> so then they're talking. Yeah, it's on some diet. It's the same way before the Kentucky Derby. They showed the farm. They didn't, It wasn't that high a production. But it was a similar thing where they give a backstory before each fight and they're like, oh, this owner, he's really good. He's been on a streak. We're really excited about this new rooster. And then goes into the ring and just dies. <laughs> it was strange. But I will say a couple of things. <laughs> and it, it did make me appreciate cockfighting more. Yeah. Hearing these guys talk about it. Yeah. Because one thing they specified is they were like, in no way do like people in the Philippines or like, um, real fans of cockfighting, uh, cockfighting endorse any use of like it's like putting razor blades on people like chickens' feet or anything like that. Yeah. Since there's always horror stories of that going around, they're like that's not real cockfighting. Those guys who do that, they're just psychopaths. That's disgusting. Yeah. And the actual fights weren't bloody. They would just break each other's necks. So it's kind of like in a movie when someone grabs someone's head and just turns it quick, and you hear like. You didn't even hear a crack. You're just like a, a chicken would just be like lying there, just dead. It's just it's just bam dead. It would just be dead. It would be the same as if you saw it in like Chinatown, basically. That's insane, dude. That yeah. is so yeah. But, so, but this is what I mean. It, this is like so interesting to me because, like, first of all, uh, this this is like an actual like I I don't I don't know. I, this is if, if me using the R hard R word earlier didn't. Mm-hmm. you know lose people this probably will i feel like this is just a part of like like this is it's like a classic thing like it's a classic it's like cockfighting dog fighting like i know these things are terrible and they're bad like in the sense that like a look a real rooster got hurt you know what i mean like a real rooster yeah. got hurt but there's some like real sportsmanship that goes on and this is the way of the world and like all of these things like i i'm not gonna lie i would love to go to a cockfight like it'd probably be a lot of fun oh, probably definitely- be a blast you probably high five all your would, Filipino buddies. You know what I mean. Drink a bunch of oh, it would be aqua V. Get 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 high on bath salts and watch a fucking cockfight. Yeah, I mean, if you got bath salts, I'll go to a cockfight. No, but um, <laughs> I, don't, also, I don't know where that came from. I mean, I've never done bath salts. Dude, I mean, if you had, I would be blown away. I, yeah, if anyone <laughs> ever told, I had a friend who told me they accidentally smoked bath salts in art school what? which that sentence was so confusing because i thought you had to be like white trash from florida to smoke bath salt <laughs> no, but i no. guess before, yeah, so what she told me it was also so it's uh my friend heather who went to like art school in new york and was she's like she's a great artist really cool but she has a little bit of that new york pretentious artist vibe oh yeah to her um so she was saying the way she described it is she accidentally smoked bath salts 
before everyone was doing bath salts. Before okay. it made oh. the news. So she so was, was like, like look, I did bath salts cool. before. I did bath salts before it was cool. Exactly. Just that <laughs> sentence in itself made me laugh so hard. I was like, that, how are you pretentious about bath salts? Let me tell you something, Tony. Like, no, let, Tony, let me tell you something. A lot of people do mm-hmm. bath salts today, but, like, I did bath salts before, like, we knew what bath salts were. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I just, I like bath salts before they sold out. They it's became like, get out of here, Viacom. Bath salts became too commercial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the fact that your mom knows about bath salts means I no longer do bath salts. I can't stand. That's so funny. I don't. I didn't do bath salts for the boomers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bye, boomer. <laughs> bye, boomer. Get your own bath salts. Oh, way to ruin that. I guess I'll go to fentanyl or something else. Yeah, whatever. I'll do a gram of fentanyl and almost kill myself. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, What I was going to ask you, oh, when did you move to New York, man? How long have you been out in uh, the Big so, Apple? Yeah, when I was done with the cruise ship, I moved right off the cruise ship. I was in New York City. Ah. Since it docked out of Hell's Kitchen. At the time, I was living with my now ex-girlfriend. Um, and she, we had moved, she had moved from Chicago to New York when I went on the ship so I could see her on Sundays because mm. we would have like four hours in dock on Sunday to like see each other. Mm. Um, and then when I got off the ship, just moved in. Dude, uh, that sounds like, uh, that's just like the smoothest move. Like, Hey baby, I'm already here. I might as well just move into your apartment. <laughs> and, and that's probably, that's probably where it started to go wrong. If I was, if, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, I don't know I mean, that, but we didn't break up until we were together for a few years. What two years after that? Um, but oh, yeah, it, it was just a lot. Where we, yeah, we had been together for a while, but um, it was for moves. It was definitely um, it was convenient, you know, being on that ship for four months. Just moved everything to New York, so I was done. I was here, ready to go. Honestly, man, that's great. Uh, and you've been. You basically been there ever since. That was what year was that? That's why it explains why that was the, I, the last time I saw you was before you headed out to to do the cruise ship because yeah. you, you never came, you probably rarely came back to Chicago. Yeah, I only went back to Chicago once um, since I moved out here. Um, so that was uh, November 2017 that I officially moved to New York. Damn, brother. Uh, yeah, that's great. That was, uh, that's about, I was in, I, that is about when I came. So that's the same time Bill Petit moved to New York. Uh, we got done with Edinburgh. We did the fringe and then he came back and moved straight to New York. Nice. Uh, yeah, I would, I'd see Bill around at random open mics, but we weren't really running the same circles. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing about the New York comedy scene. that's slightly different from Chicago is that in Chicago, it feels like there's, I guess a, I guess there's, you could say there's sort of two to three. I mean, in the stand up comedy world, I guess you could say there's kind of like three scenes. And in the, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how the improv world works because I have not done improv in, in Chicago, but yeah, uh, it's like a whole other world. And it's, but in New York, it's like there's just, there, it's, it's just crazy. It's just, there's so many people, so many venues. Actually, so what I kind of, part of the reason selfishly I wanted to talk to you was to talk yeah. a little bit about uh, the 
the New York comedy scene this summer or shows you've done? Because it's weird. I left. I haven't been. I only went back a few weeks ago, and I was just there sort of temporarily. I've done a bunch of podcasts and stuff, but I've basically been out of New York since late March. And I was seeing you doing all these shows and stuff, and I was like, oh, shit, it looks like Tony's like, you know, he's in it right now. I guess I wasn't aware of what the New York comedy scene was like right now. I'm I'm curious sort of what your experience has been over the summer. Yeah. I mean, overall, considering where things are at, um, it's been positive. So what's a big change from what I would say happened, like, before the pandemic to, like, performing now is, like, one big thing is since there are so few shows going on, mm. it's like when there's an open mic or a show, typically comics just hang out after it. Yeah. Cause there's nothing to do. So I've in, in a weird way, I've become closer personally with a lot of comics in New York that I wasn't like, I didn't know on a personal basis beforehand. Cause New York before coronavirus, it was like, there's at least five mics or shows you should be at at any time. Yep. So it's just insane to action. People are like, okay, well, it was nice seeing you. I'm running over here. I'm running over there. Yeah. There's a I lot gotta, happening. I got to go right away. I got, I got another spot to do across town at wherever. Exactly. Um, also everything's, it, the scene's so much smaller. I would say there's one scene now, maybe like you could even make the argument. There are like two or three potential, like, for like stand-up scenes where before I would say there were at least five separate stand-up scenes in New York city, right? You have the people that perform at Harlem. You have the people that perform in Bushwick. Yeah. You have the people that perform in clubs, uh, in Greenwich village. You have the people in Astoria. It was just all over the place. So now I would say that it's kind of like, um, central park in Brooklyn are the two places where people really perform. That's okay. Got it. Yeah. Well, Central Park is like, so that's, so a lot of the comedians who I've seen doing shows are basically all in Central Park and it's them outside mm-hmm. with a PA. So I've only done a handful of outdoor shows ever. I kind of feel like I weirdly must've missed out on quite an amazing experience this summer because I decided basically to roll out <laughs> New York because it sounds like this was like just, a really interesting and i don't know if it's good or bad because i hear conflicting things but like interesting Mm -hmm. series of shows that everybody did in the city basically yeah i i don't know if it's good or bad and there's nothing wrong with not doing stand-up right now because it is hard where like there's no goal really other than continuing to get better at stand-up yeah i mean that's what i would want to do basically is i would just i just i just Mm -hmm. miss having a crowd I think like I it wasn't yeah. until COVID hit that I was I mean I've been doing stand up a long time and I I guess it wasn't until COVID hit that I was like oh shit I just I just need a crowd to maintain my sanity somehow like there's a yeah. a certain amount of your life that like when you're doing stand up you you you're used to being seen in such a particular kind of way and mm-hmm. you're used to planning your life kind of around it in many different ways where you're like, well, got to go up tonight, talk about whatever, so I better figure that out. And, mm-hmm. you know, and even if you bomb, it's like there's an immediacy to that feeling, and not having that has been challenging, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the month and a half, two months I went without being able to do any stand-up, I started going stir-crazy. Yeah, dude. I mean, Because right now there's, yeah. I just agreed, just totally agreed. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. 
Well, because right now there's two avenues for stand-up, right? It's either you're outside in the elements or you are on online on Zoom, yep. right? So those are like two scenes that have like developed. And I did a few Zoom mics um, just kind of like to force myself to write because I really need a deadline. Like yep. nothing makes me write more than realizing like in two hours I have an open mic I have to do. Yeah, same. So I need to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah, same. If I don't have that, I can't write. Yep. You like need that deadline, that pressure of people thinking you're not funny, um, that like doubt of being like, why am I even pretending to be like, you need to like really have that. <laughs> I'm so full like, of shit. Force you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so full of shit. And then you get there and like, if you bomb, it just validates your full of shit. But you're like, but I got to get back to the like writing. And then yeah. if you kill, you're like, I fucking knew I wasn't full of shit. It's yeah. the psychology is crazy. Yeah, dude, you're it, literally. I feel like you're a crazy person. Like now, I just if you do stand up, you have to be a kind of crazy person because you're in this like strange cycle oh. of like, like why else would you do this? You know what I mean? Like why else yeah. would you go through the trouble of doing this shit? You basically want to work the hours when everyone else goes out to have fun. Yeah, and you're like, no, you no, no. You want to make that your work, yeah. Yeah, but what's what's crazy about it is, like, you end up having, like, I mean, whatever. We don't need to talk about the merits of stand-up. We both love it. But, like, the idea is that mm -hmm. it's just a very strange thing to do. And I'm, like, I'm glad that I, I do it. I can't wait to get back to it. That's kind of why, in the next few weeks, I'm going to head down to Texas because a lot of shows are still happening in Texas, at least for the time being. Yeah. Um, well, that's where everyone's moving because, I mean, they're basically going, hey, we're open. Fuck it. Yeah, have a show. I mean, that's exactly you know Brendan. You know Brendan Gay, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I know him a little bit, not not too personally, but he's great. Yeah, I mean, like same same thing. Is like he's a he's a good friend, and he headed down there. I headed down there a few weeks ago, and now I'm like, yep, buying a car, headed to Austin, gonna get shows going. I got my own PA, gonna throw it around, go on the road in Texas, do some shows, and um, it's funny because I think that. Crowds in the South, at least crowds in around Texas, they're happy to pay for comedy, man. Like they don't mind. They're gonna come and see you do comedy. They don't mind paying, you know, five, ten bucks for a ticket. Even if you're not that great, yeah. they're not. They're, they don't feel bad. You know, they don't feel guilty or uh, obligated to pay you. They just they're fine to do it. They're like, yeah, here we go, whatever. Yeah. It's only in New York City that people get mad at paying for a show. I would say, I don't know. Chicago's you know, kind of like, like that LA. too. Yeah. Chicago. I don't know. Chicago's kind of like that too. Like there's, I guess, I think it's any scene that is oversaturated. People are like, going to have that problem. Yep. They come in and they're like, what are you, what I'm going to pay? I'm going to pay you. No, no, no. I'll just come in and whatever. It's like, you just do your thing. And it's, yeah. there's something about that. That feels very weird. You're like, dude, I worked on this for so long. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand so how long I worked on these bits? At least two or three dozen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it, that's the reason why uh, comics have to go on the road. Yeah. You know, it's because you go to places where people are willing to pay for it and are excited to see comedy, yeah. where it's easy to become jaded in um, larger markets. Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, so, okay, yeah. so so you, you've you been in New York doing comedy over the summer, and it's been interesting because you've been meeting all these comics and hanging out and developing a real scene, which I'm jealous of. Um, what do you mm -hmm. think it's going to be like headed into the fall and wintertime in New York, man? I'm not sure, because right now it's some... I mean, everyone was saying uh, Halloween is basically the end of outdoor shows, mm -hmm. as we know it, mm -hmm. right? Park shows officially done. 
restaurants and some venues are trying to get like outdoor heaters. So we'll see how that actually works out. If that actually keeps people like warm enough to sit there and want to watch a show, who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. And we don't have any experience with it. Um, no one does. Um, and then there are a couple of venues now that are doing like indoor things. Mm. Like, um, I don't know. I feel weird. I'm pretty sure it's all legal. So I'm just not going to say names, <laughs> but there's at least one club doing indoor things. Yeah. And I'm like, but also, I mean, cause I went to an indoor open mic on Monday. Yeah. Cause people are starting to do indoor shows and stuff. And I was like, I gotta see how this feels. Yep. Right. And one of the big things with performing outside, you may have felt it like the couple shows you did. What's interesting about performing like in parks um, or like venues where it's like a large open space is you can see people laughing, but you don't feel the laughter like yeah, you yeah. would. Like, you, a like in, in a club, you actually really feel that. You yeah. feel it. It's, you walk off stage and you're energized. Right. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm just not sleeping tonight. That was amazing. Yeah, I'm um, just not. Well, when you're outside, you're like, "Oh, I had a really good set," and then, but you feel the same as you did before, so you don't get that like rush of energy. That is the reason people love performing inside. Yeah, right. So I was excited to get. I've also done a couple shows at Mohegan Sun during this pandemic with their like last comic standing competition. Oh yeah, that All they right. have. Yeah, since they were open. So the first show for that, I had a good set and I was like, oh, that's what indoor comedy feels like, you know? So I moved on to the second round. Second round didn't do so well, you mm -hmm. know? And that's where you're inside and I'm like, oh, it like went fine, but I didn't move on to the next round. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I did this open mic on Monday and I forgot how bad indoor open mics can feel. Oh right? yeah, because it was like it was, it, I was like, oh my god, we're back inside. People are gonna be so excited, and then you're like, oh no, everyone's still as miserable as they were. It it almost felt normal. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, comics can still sit boy, inside boy, and be that bad, huh? Game to do what they love. <laughs> yeah, and it was even worse though because I was sitting there and I was like, I I like went up on stage. People like would acknowledge that jokes were good, but they wouldn't laugh at anything. Oh, and boy. then I sat down and I'm like, why am I sitting in this room where the energy already feels bad? Plus I'm risking getting COVID. Yeah. It's like just an added thing. And it feels where like, I, I know a few comics that are like producing shows in those rooms. They're trying to move their outdoor shows inside. Oh, yeah. to Like be able to keep the momentum that they've built up for themselves. Good luck. Um, and people just don't want to go to shows that are inside yet. Dude, especially people not in New York. Like I think, I think in not Texas, New York. That's what I think. In Texas, I get the feeling that nobody will give a shit, really. To be honest, like, I think it'll, I, I think yeah. it'll mostly be like, whatever. Yeah, we'll go in. We don't care. Like, it's, I mean, like, I, I just in the short time that I was there a few weeks ago, I thought, man, this place just doesn't give a shit about COVID. And mm -hmm. like, and and I guess good for them in a sense. Like, they, I mean, they're they're rate right, they're in the you know what they're in the top easily the top ten. I think probably top five most COVID cases in the in the country by state but i mean they're also a yeah. large state so whatever uh, it's availability bias partially but i just kind of got the feeling that it was like look man people just they want to go out and have a good time and i think that it's going to be weird tony because i think like this next year especially in the springtime i get the feeling that new york is going to be crazy ready just ready for people getting back in person in front of each other oh yeah well you um 
I'm not sure what it was like seeing news reports about New York from other places, but when like bars and stuff started like serving on the street, New Yorkers were out. Oh yeah. I mean, I was out. Yeah. I was out there a few weeks ago and was seeing, you know, seeing friends and, you know, it was, it was great. Honestly, I was in little Italy walking around and I was like, dude, I hope this doesn't go back. Like all this outdoor dining is just a, is, is a blast. Yeah. And I think they're, I mean, that's what every restaurant or most restaurants are trying to get heat lamps to try to keep that momentum going. Yeah. We'll just see what the, realistically, what is going to happen. Yeah. You know, like how warm can those keep you? Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> but, good. but I will say, I mean, if you're going to Texas, um, they, they're going to have fun because they're also so will like it's ignorance is bliss when it comes to public health stuff. Cause oh, I don't yeah. know if I ever told you this when I was in Chicago, but one of my jobs there for a while was selling STD tests over the phone. What are you serious? So I would sit there all day. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. It was actually an amazing job for a performer. I'd work 30 hours a week. I'd get full health benefits. I'd get bonuses. If I set up number, like a certain percentage of tests on the phone calls I took and they catered all the meals. What? They had a fully stocked kitchen. They would cater lunch every day, and then you'd have that leftover for dinner later. Tony, this is the so best. This, this sounds like the best job. <laughs> yeah. But let me counter that. All those are pros. Sure. Uh, let me counter that with um, sometimes you have to talk to people who just got told they have HIV. You know? So it kind of, you know, so the first few months, I mean, I think I put on 20 pounds working there. Yeah. Because I would eat all the food and then you get on the, and then it was customer service like over the phone. Right. So it could be miserable. It was, here's the thing. The actual job was miserable for all the perks and especially doing it while performing. And, it, and you could switch shifts and have full flexibility. It was amazing for that. But the turnover is people would work there four to four months to like eight months. Cause like, Physically, you can't take that mental pressure. Oh yeah, no. Like you, physi- physiologically, you probably you probably start shutting down physiologically. It would just be so yeah. difficult to to deal with that. Exactly. So, um, but the state I talked to the most for that job was Texas, Texas and Florida, which is all those HIV people in Texas. <laughs> or it wasn't. You know what? It was mostly like chlamydia. It was herpes is the thing most people were scared of. Yeah. I think people were on the phone calls I took, people were more worried about herpes than they were getting AIDS. Yeah. This is good to um, know before also, I head down to Texas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just wear a rubber, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, unless you're a pussy. Dude, I mean, yeah, unless you're fucking, if you're a fucking loser. Uh, it, this is just crazy to me because there's this whole generation, this is like a real millennial generation thing is like people don't want to wrap it up. Like, I have so many mm-hmm. friends who are like, if I get laid and I tell my friend about it, they're like, oh, dude, do you, do you go raw? And I'm like, no, dude, no, I didn't because I'm an adult yeah. and I care about my health. And they're like, fucking loser. Like, and I, I just think like, this is a real millennial, like, whatever, we're not, I'm not going to get an STD, whatever. And then like, lately, especially, I have a bunch of friends who were like, dude, I don't know, like, I fucked without a rubber. Now I feel so, now I feel weird. I don't know, dude, I, I really don't know how I feel. And I'm like, okay, that's how I know that you're still solidly in your early 20s psychologically. Is because like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in my 30s and I definitely know that I do not want to fuck without a rubber on, dude. Are you kidding me? That sounds like a horrible, how am I going to yeah. sleep that night? Like, 
unless yeah. you're unless you're my you're wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're just putting yourself in a position where like yeah, unless you like just ignore the fact that uh you HIV exists. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm not even like HIV even. I like it's more like chlamydia and like herpes. That's what people really freak out about. Yeah. Since there's especially herpes, it's I mean, it's just there's a social stigma to it. It does nothing to actually affect your health. Yeah. But you but just you, you're just a dirty you don't person. Want to tell now. Someone you have herpes. Yeah, you're just a dirty person now who has to tell people that. Yeah, it's not a it's whatever. It's yeah. you can live with it. Your partner can live you whatever. You you're fine most of the time. It's just a weird ass thing to have to tell somebody. Yeah. I mean, basically what I'm saying is when you're in Texas, you know, throw out that mask, throw out those condoms, have a good time. Let's see how long you make it. I'm going to cough in every person's face and I'm only going to raw dog, dude. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm never going to wash my hands and it is going to it's going to be a it's going to be gross. It's going to be gross. <laughs> well, it's an honor being on your last podcast. You know, so. <laughs> Um, I, yeah. Oh my God, man. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> well, where are you living? Where are you living in New York, Tony? So I'm in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Like a Greenpoint's great. I love Greenpoint. Just yeah, across the, just across man. on the L dude. Just, uh, I used to live yeah. in, I was living in the East village. So I would jump on the, I would oh, go to nice. Greenpoint and see, see friends of mine. Uh, just like one stop on the fucking L. You know, basically. Yeah. So you're off the first Avell stop. Yeah, first and fourteenth. I was down. I was. I was at seventh and A. I was right by Thompson Square. You know that area because uh, what's the bar that's across the street from um, Miss Lily's? Uh, it's called Niagara. They had an open mic. Oh yeah, they had a bunch of mics there. Yeah, I I did one, and then I think I was like, I'm not doing this again. Like, <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. Well, there's a whole it bunch of them. It was a mic. It was a mic. And there's a whole bunch of them in New York that are, hopefully, I'll tell you this, like, hopefully this, the, the coronavirus hopefully has done this for you and for New York comedy, which is like, there's definitely a contingent of comedians in New York who I remember going to different mics all over the place, free and paid equally, and thinking to myself, mm-hmm. there should not, these people shouldn't be doing comedy. Like they just, they really like, not in the sense that this is shitty. It's shitty to gatekeep like this. I have to admit that, but there's like a bunch Mm -hmm. of them that I thought if there was one thing in their life that prevented them from doing comedy, they would just stop doing it. And my bet is that coronavirus is now that thing that there's probably a ton of people like, like myself who are no longer doing comedy just because it's like a, a one, it just came up. So hopefully, hopefully that's cleared you to be able to do more comedy with more committed and good people rather than a whole lot of um, fair-weather friends, fair-weather fair comics, yeah. however you want to put it. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, what, what's interesting is, like, alt comedy as a scene is dead. It does not exist anymore. Oh. So I always called it, That's like, interesting. comedy, where it's, like, anyone who would get on stage and, like, talk about communism, <laughs> like, I feel like they're just not doing it right now. Because they also can't... So when you're performing in a park, you're not the only person perform that an audience is watching. Yeah. Right. So when you're in a park, you're performing stand-up comedy right next to some guy who's working out and doing the loudest grunts you've ever heard in your entire life. Yeah. Right next to a homeless guy who's taking a shit on a pigeon. You know, it's like <laughs> there's so much happening 
all around you. How are you supposed to compete when you're talking about marks, you idiot? (laughs) Yeah, so you can't do anything where, like, it's tightened my comedy up so much for it has to be your setup punch, setup punch. Because you don't have time to give a full long story, right? You have to keep someone's attention every 15 seconds. You know, that's amazing. So anyone who would get on stage and like need like a supportive audience or like a warm audience, it's like, I mean, I've, I've performed sets on rooftops. I performed sets on wagons when I was back in Massachusetts. I performed a set in a torrential downpour, right? (laughs) Where the rain was so loud on top of the tent, I couldn't hear the audience laughing. Oh my God. Right. um, I performed a set where two homeless people like, um, started having a debate as to whether or not paying for sex count as cheating during my set. So, so, and then of course <laughs> that's better than any material I have. I don't have five minutes on uh, how ch- it's not cheating if you pay the person. That's un- dude. So, so this is, so this was like my, my like, uh, my. This is where I found that. As I found that that photo, this is where I found you. Is that photo of you? doing comedy with the torrential downpour. And I was just like, mm-hmm. Jesus, dude, this is like, I'm like, Tony's just, it's unbelievable. He's just fucking going at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, and the, the one of cute. you on the back of the wagon, I was like, this is a crazy, this is crazy. Like doing comedy on the back and, of a wagon in the middle of a farm. That's what it looked like. Okay. It was the Franklin County fairground. Okay. I got a special, no, um, but, uh, dude, I'm, I've basically gotten to a point where I will take any gig just to put in the pile of things I performed, horrible places I performed during quarantine. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, that's – I get it. I, I – I, oh, God. I'm so jealous of this, actually. This is what's making me feel angry that I left uh, New York during this situation is because I think of the same thing. I think, what a great – list of repertoire of memories you have to draw on from just like i did it on the back of a wagon like (laughs) (laughs) it's like old show business thing that you would yell at some young entitled actor you know what i mean you think you got it rough i did stand-up comedy during the great pandemic of 20 you son of a bitch well, I, I I make a point every day to go to a VFW and tell them this is my nom, you know, just so they know where I'm at. What I will say, because before you were talking about like being gatekeepers and clubs and stuff like that, what's really, I mean, refreshing about right now is there's basically no rules. Yeah. Right. right. Or there's no, since there's really no way to like break out with performing live. Then nobody cares. Um, Everybody's very, just... I, it's going. DIY. It's, That's great. Everyone bought their own speaker and they're like, okay, cool. We're going to do a show at these cross streets at this time and see what happens. You know, we're I, doing a show at this part of Central Park at this time. You make an event right. You put a picture of a GPS location saying where it's going to be. People roll up. People really um, show, so that August, was that's my other question is do people really show up for this stuff like like actual crowd shows for good shows yeah. for um I mean like any like event it's whoever produces it mm. right um but I've performed to oh uh, let me I'm trying to think at least forty people damn at park shows at some of them um so it's been. Like pretty oh yeah, I did a show on top of um 
uh, comedian Rachel Williams produced a show at on top of Greenpoint Beer and Ale. Um, they have an outdoor space on top that I hosted, and it was packed. That is probably the closest outdoor experience I had to performing in a club. Because yeah. there were like kind of walls around the outdoor roof. So it was, there like, was like a tight a bar space. In the back. It was like a good space. Yeah, it, you could feel the laughs at that show. It felt good. That's so great, I'm hoping man. that she uh, produces another one. Uh, well, I'm jealous. Uh, hopefully I will be back in New York and not too damn long uh, to do exactly that because that just sounds like such a great time, man. Um, what do you... it, it is, but I also, you're going to like Texas. I think right now it's like tech. Uh, I think New York might've been one of the places leading like outdoor comedy thing, but dude, right now it sounds like Texas. Uh, I know people that were in Florida for it and they were doing gigs all over the place. Comedy is still happening right yep. now. And it's, there is risk to it, obvious, especially if you're doing an indoor show and stuff like that. Um, but if you just take the basic precautions and hope the venue's taking them too, and and you feel comfortable. It, it's all your own comfort level at yeah. this point, right? So it's like, unfortunately, I mean, it really the people I feel bad for right now are really great, funny comedians who have what like pre-existing conditions. Oh yeah, that would be the worst right now, or just old comics, just old dudes, just like old yeah, men and women. Comics. Like Lewis Lewis Black was on um, WTF recently talking about. It. He's like, oh yeah, I'm not going out and risking. He's like, I don't want to do any of this. Yeah. Like, I, I'm. He's the dudes in his late in his like late seventies, like. Yeah. yeah. I feel bad for guys like this. I feel bad for people like that um, because it's something where it's completely out of their hands. Where even like when I have those shows at Mohegan Sun, I feel comfortable going there because I've been working out, I've been eating healthy. There were um, up until that point, I had so many instances where if I was going to contract it, I should have contracted it. And the fact that I didn't made me be like, oh, we don't have all the information right now. Yeah. So I'm still going to be smart, wash my hands, use hand sanitizer, wear a mask, you know, keep uh, social distancing practices. But I will go out because if I don't, I'll go crazy in my room. Yeah. So I've been lucky where if I get it, odds are it would be a really shitty flu. You know, yeah, you get um, it'll be rough, you'll be fine, M- probably <laughs> like same thing. I've been running like I've been running like basically every every other day, I've been running like a 10k. It's the same thing as I'm like, oh, dude, man. I just want to make yeah. sure that I'm as fit as possible. If this thing shows up, my lungs and cardiovascular health are in great condition. I mean, that's basically what I've been doing with my time off is, is ranting, trying to make TikToks to varying degrees of success and then uh you know and then and then running and 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 trying to work out just to stay fit yeah i mean you're doing everything that's smart and just spending time developing like online platforms like tiktok and that stuff i mean this is such a good time to be learning those muscles and those rules where i'm doing a lot of stuff that's outside but again i have like no social media following so that's something where I'm like, oh, that is at the current stage. You want to get paid to create content, make comedy. It's TikTok, it's Instagram, it's um, YouTube. It's you know? true. So those it's are IGTV. Great to develop it's, your voice at this time. Yeah, all those locations, man. I mean, uh, that's what uh, everybody. I mean, the number of podcasts with like a visual component has really jumped through the roof because of a lot of this, which makes yeah. sense. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people are you know, starting, I mean, this podcast probably will end up having a visual component soon, but like, 
It's just mm-hmm. interesting. It's been a weird. It's like we're in a time dilation. I know this is the same conversation everybody's had, you know, ad nauseum for the last bunch of months, but it it does genuinely feel like we're in some kind of weird time dilation where this year both has and hasn't happened. Strangely, yeah. Like I kind mm-hmm. of feel like I'm in the same position I was in 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 basically a, a in early April, late March, even though that's very much not true. You know, if I can tell you something, what prepped me perfectly for knowing how to handle coronavirus to a degree, especially when things first locked down, was working on that cruise ship. Oh, I bet. I was stuck in a small space all day. I couldn't leave the ship. You're kind of confined to your like area. You know, also when you're on the cruise ship, you have to use hand sanitizer everywhere. Cause as you saw from news stories of coronavirus, it's where disease spreads, yeah. right? It's a bunch of people from new, uh, from Long Island, New Jersey, um, yelling Bruce Springsteen at each other while drunk, giving yeah. each other neurovirus, which is what <laughs> was like everyone was worried about when I was on the ship. Oh, yeah, neurovirus. And then they would also like, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, neurovirus. So they always had signs being like, if you're sick, you have to be confined to your room. Like, basically, um, the idea of like quarantining was like beat into my head because we had to do safety classes about it. And there was a doctor on the ship where if you got it, you were confined to your quarters and they would have to bring meals to your room. So you wouldn't infect other crew members and have it spread like out of control. You were you 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 so you you've trained for this, Tony. You've been so through the it. It, <laughs> everything that everyone's been doing is what I knew I had to do right away. Right? You were like, um, you have to work out every day. Yeah, to tire yourself out because you can't like go out and like do things. Um, but it's the time to, especially when you're locked into a room. It's like you're not going to write comedy if there's no open mics, right? So yeah. that's the time you read books, you watch movies, you catch up, you kind of like educate yourself on things you've been meaning to do. Um, also, just hand sanitizer. There were, <laughs> so they would have people waiting at the buffet with hand sanitizer for all the passengers to like force them to use it on the cruise ship. Yep. So, so it is shocking. Like, you, you are, I mean, I think that's you're an like, old pro by now, basically. Dude, I'm, I'm an old pro. And then... Uh, so when everything happened, I was kind of like, oh, this feels like I'm on the cruise ship again, except I don't get to be in Bermuda for two days out of the week. <laughs> so it was worse. There, there was, and I wasn't getting paid 1200 a week either. You know, um, I was making, I mean, I was making about, uh, 900 from the government, you know? So that was pretty I mean, that's you know pretty what? good. I had a, it was more like the cruise ship than I thought it was. It's funny, Tony, because I was doing basically full-time comedy uh, leading up to... I was like, I, I basically quit my job. So I got... I, I shouldn't say I quit. I got fired from a job in New York in the fall <laughs> of last year. And uh, mm-hmm. and basically stayed in New York, did a bunch of comedy in like September, came you know into October, came back to Chicago, was there through the winter... And then I was doing a lot of me and Lancey Joe, who I don't know if you recall from the Chicago. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not, in New York now. Yeah, he's in New York. Yeah, he's uh, he's yeah, literally. I saw, him, I saw him a few weeks ago. That's great. He literally lives one block from where I used to live. It's very funny. And um, so I would see him, you know, I mean, him and I started doing comedy. We started running shows. We had this idea. We were like, we're going to do 20 minutes of stand up a night every night for nine months. And so we started this project wow. we called 20 by nine. So we started producing shows every night of the week, every night we would produce shows, we produce open mics. And the goal was like, we are going to get 
you know, if you do, you know, you produce one show, you do 20 minutes, whatever. You can produce two shows, you do 10 minutes at each one. We just, we had this crazy idea we're going to produce all these insane shows, like, and just, and it was crazy. The lift was insane, but, like, we started doing it. And a lot of these places were, like, in Chicago were paying us, not handsomely, but, you know, a, a little bit here and there. And uh, mm-hmm. I quit doing that in order to take a full-time job in New York again to move back to New York. And that was on February 10th of this year. So it was crazy because I was basically doing comedy full time and really enjoying it. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm glad I took that job because now I'm working remotely, like still putting money in the bank. Uh, I miss comedy, obviously. But like, uh, I mean, I did a few Zoom shows, which I will not do again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, Zoom, it's you have to do material that you know that worked on stage and then just know you're not going to get feedback on it. Oh, yeah. I have to know this works. Because um, any material I wrote over Zoom mics before I was able to go outside and perform in parks again, none of it translated to park shows. That's but stuff from that I was doing on stage before the pandemic would work on Zoom. Yeah. See, that was that's interesting. So that was my experience. Is like people will hit, you know, laugh emojis, and they'll and you can see them laughing and stuff. But it's just so mm-hmm. weird. Like it just something about it just seems so bizarre that I was like, this doesn't really feel like I'm doing comedy. Yeah, but it is what's good. It's something because I stopped doing Zoom as soon as I could go outside again because I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. Yeah, but um, I it is something where now who knows where comedy is going in the future, right? Because now like corporate Zoom shows are like yeah, Yeah, this is where you make money, pretty common. So and that's how you make money. So it's like that's how comics are making money right now. So it is something where. I mean, if I was in that category, I would be doing Zoom shows because if I'm doing, if it's a paid gig, yeah, of course I'm doing it. You know, if if people don't laugh, whatever, give me my check, we're good to go. That's fair. Um, but uh, I'm not going to do it for free. You know? <laughs> well, hopefully you're making some money, dude. Um, I should yeah, say I we're. Mean, I'm collecting that sweet government cash right now. Hell so. yeah, dude! Snap, snap, snap! We got that other round two after Mitch McConnell. Gets his uh, his uh, what's a shiksa into into the uh, into the Supreme Court, and then maybe we can uh, we can get back to getting that government bailout money. Ooh. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens. These next few weeks are going to be very interesting. Uh, super weird. That's actually why I'm back in Michigan. I'm uh, I'm going to vote here in person on the third because my vote is extremely important to have in my home state. And yeah. And then uh, that's when I'm rolling out afterwards. So, uh, Tony, I should probably—we're yeah. at time, man. So I should probably let you go and uh, and g- get back to your evening of of writing and doing Zoom comedy, and um, <laughs> and I can get back to my evening of finishing this bottle of Traverse City whiskey and thumbing my 38 special. Um, Hell yeah, baby! <laughs> what um, dude, Brendan, you're doing good work, man. This yeah, appreciate it, dude. Hope to see you soon. Actually, if you want to come down and visit me and yeah. Brendan Gay in Texas, you should absolutely do that. Um, Dude, we will. I, I'm tempted. That in LA, I feel like is going to be a place people are going over this winter because they can still be doing outdoor stuff. Yeah, so. that that might be true. I personally cannot stand LA. I mostly dislike it. Um, I do have some very good friends there who I may have to go visit this this winter. I guess we'll see. But yeah. Um. Well, dude. Uh, where can people follow you? Where can they get at you? Where can they? Where can they help? Where Where can they go help build that social media presence? Yeah. So, um, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, follow me on Instagram, Twitter. I don't really use by mom there, uh, at Tony Sykowski, um, Sykowski, S Y K W S K. 
S-Y-K-W-S-K-I. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like a radio station when you say it fast. And, it does. That's why I carried WSKI uh, to, you know. <laughs> 104.7, the squee. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right, dude. Well, good talking to you, buddy. And uh, take it easy, and we'll talk to you soon. Meanwhile, the madness continues. Madness yeah. continues. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, you're welcome. That was fun. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm actually that time flew by to be honest with you. Um, yeah, this was great. That was good. How many podcasts do you normally do out in the, out in the new squark? I haven't done too many, like a handful. Yeah. I, you know, um, so I'm, I'm working my energy up to try to start one, but I'm like trying to figure out the logistics of like, okay, what's a podcast people might want to listen to. Because yeah. right now it's like it's so much fun talking to other comedians, but I'm like, it, it's an angle of like trying to sell it. And oh yeah, like, like you what do I a... actually have energy for it too, though? Yeah, like this. So this podcast, the madness continues, is just an excuse for me to connect with people. So it's like, it's not. I don't. I'm not trying to get a big. I'm not like trying to get a following. I'm not like, but it's been very helpful in terms of me. Like, you know, just like why else would I like normally in my normal life. I would see you on Instagram and go, holy shit, that's amazing, Tony. Good for you. And I would message you, and that would be the end of this, end of mm-hmm. it. But like the thing yeah. that I dig about having a podcast is that this gives me an excuse to be like, hey, let's actually catch up and have a conversation. And like, uh, it's, 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 it, you know what I mean? Like, it, I, not that it would be weird. I mean, like, we're not, I don't know, we're not like f- friends. We're not like really good friends. Like, we didn't hang out in Chicago aside from mm-hmm. seeing you at open mics, but you're a guy who I've always thought was funny and talented and had interesting yeah. things going on. But it would be a lot if I messaged you on Instagram and was like, hey, Tony, what's your number? We should catch up over the phone. You'd be like, why the fuck would I catch up with Brendan? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't <laughs> really. What's. What it does is it checks two boxes, right? Especially for comedians. It's like, cool, comedians, any podcast you say yes to, right? Oh, yeah. Because it's like, okay, that's something I can put out or, like, help promote, give people a chance to listen to random stories I have about cockfighting, you know? (laughs) That was awesome, Um, by the way. That whole whole diversion was fantastic. Um, and so, and you get to catch up with people. It's that thing where it's like, uh, like producing a show with another comedian or booking them on your show. You get to hang out because they're like, oh, well, I need to do comedy tonight, and I can see you. Oh, this is the best of both worlds. Yeah, this is. So I appreciate you for having me, man. This is great. Yeah, man. Well, let's get stay in touch. It'd be nice to see you when I'm back to New York. Or honestly, the op- sure. it's an open invitation. I'm going to get the spot in um, Austin, and you're welcome to come down and and crash on the couch and stuff. So. There's a good chance I'm going to hit you up on that because that sounds real fun. Well, that'll be great. I I haven't been to Texas. I mean, we'll be producing shows. My friend Isabel Herman, she's an L.A. comedian who moved out there. Brennan Gay moved out there. Uh, He's producing shows. I'm bringing my PA down from Michigan. It's just here in the next next room. I'll be producing shows all over on the road. Corey Wood, who you may or may not remember from Chicago, will be coming down from Houston. Um, I got, I got some, I have some family in San Antonio, so we'll probably produce shows there too. So I, I really, I want to hit the wall with getting back on stage, man. I miss it bad. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, you're making it sound more and more appealing, man. (laughs) It'll be a nice trip when it gets cold and sat up in New York. Yeah. 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 Come down, hang around. We'll, you know, check it out. So anyway, Tony, take it easy, man. It's been good talking to you. You too, Brendan. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening to the Madness Continues podcast. Once again, this is Brendan Lemon. If you liked what you listened to, please take a minute to like, to subscribe, to give us a rating. It really does mean a difference. I say us like there's more than one person doing this. Uh, it's just me, everybody. So every little bit of support you can lend would be really appreciated by me. If you want to share this podcast, it would really, really, really mean a lot to me. I hope you come back. I hope you listen and check out the other podcast I produce, Funny Planet, where we talk to different comedians from all over the world about what they're doing and how they are funny in their own cultures. You can learn a thing or two and you'll have a laugh too. Anyway, take care. Take it easy. We'll see you here next time. <laughs>